Hello and thank you for taking a moment to listen to God's word today. Right now we are in the middle of the series called It's All About Money. So we hope that this sermon is a blessing to you and your family. If you are with us here for the first time, a big welcome to you. If you missed last Sunday, welcome back. We are in the middle of a series called It's All About Money. And this Sunday is week two of this series. And God uh, has prepared all of our hearts to listen to this word because it is important at this season, especially during crisis and pandemic, it is important for us to learn how to handle our finances God's way. Last week, I spoke on the title, I am blessed. And we looked at what you believe about money is how you will behave with money. If your belief is in alignment with God's word and how you think about money is in alignment with God's word, then how you behave with money will also be according to God's word. When our behavior is far from our belief of what God is saying, then our behavior is not in alignment and it becomes a loss in our life. So, and we also looked at two important beliefs. One is God owns it all. Nothing, we own nothing in this world. God owns everything. And the second thing is, it is not about being faithful just with our 10% in giving to God, but it's also being faithful with the rest of the 90% in how we handle that the way God wants to handle that. Because it is not my money, that 90% is still God's money. So any decision that I make about that 90%, it's also a spiritual decision and not just a personal decision. Amen? So that's what we saw last week and this week. God has an amazing word for us. But before that, let's do the word confession together, shall we? On the count of three, two, one, go. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Week two of It's All About Money series. And this morning, I want to talk to you on this title, The Psychology of Money. The Psychology of Money. You know, we all have a psychology, right? We think a certain way. We, uh, you know, uh, when they look at a person, they try to do a psychoanalysis of what that person thinks. And they try to do an assessment of what that person would do or say. You know, there's different kinds of uh, psychoanalysis, you know, behavioral an analysis. You know, um, in, if you know a little bit of counseling, they do the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. If you've got something going on, you know, they do a little bit of assessment, they talk to you they counsel you <clears throat> they help you and today we are going to look at the psychology of money money has a way to behave as well money also has a certain patterns money also has a certain way of of dealing with us sometimes we think we own it uh, little to find out that it actually is the money that is owning us and we are not owning the money. And, and, and a lot of myths are out there when it comes about money. And, and, and I believe this series is very important and especially what I am sharing this morning is very important for all of us. Uh, it's important for families. If you are, ma if you are a married couple, 
And if you're just starting out in marriage, this series is very important for you as you set your financial foundations right with God's word. And uh, as, a comp- as a couple, you've got to share together, learn together, grow together. If you're a family with children, it's important you listen together with your children because in India, in generally, we would, uh, parents wouldn't share money matters with children because whatever that is going on, you know, the parents will take care of it. So children are always at the receiving end. And when they get married and they're like, whoa, what do I do with money? How do I handle it? And they have no idea about it. But that's not what we are going to do. What we're going to do is learn together. So if you've got children, uh, get them to sit around with you right now and let them also listen so that as a family, you understand what financial stewardship is, how to handle finances God's way. If you're a young person, if you're a youth, if you're a young adult, if you're a teenager, and you might say like, I don't have finances yet i don't have my mo- uh, own money yet i don't have my own bank account so i don't think i need to listen to this no listen to me this is not just about money this is about every single resources that god has blessed you with if you're blessed with a ps4 that's a resource if you're blessed with some mobile phones that's a resource if you're watching tv that's a resource if you got a bicycle to ride to your school that's a resource if you got education that's a resource if you're carrying books and bags that's a resource if you're wearing shirt and trousers and if you're dressed really well that's a resource everything that you have that's a resource if you're eating food out of your plate that's a resource so young people those who are working those who are not working those who are still in education whoever you are every single resource god has called us to navigate it manage it and steward it according to god's way There was a man called Ronald Reed. Ronald Reed is an American and he's not very famous. He was a normal guy. He worked as a janitor all his life. All he does was he was cleaning the toilets in a big cinema theater and he did that day in and day out. He had few other small jobs here and there So he was not earning much, but he was, you know, working sincerely in everything that he did. And when Ronald Reed hit the headlines when he died, he died at the age of 92, and he hit the headlines all across America. Why would a normal janitor who is not so important would hit the headlines this is why when he died he had eight million dollars in his possession now many of you would be like oh he robbed a bank or you know uh, he won a lottery no he did not do either of that he did not do either of that he did not rob a bank or he did not win a lottery all he did was Everything that he has been working for from his young age till the age of 92, 
everything he had he was saving it little by little by little and he kept putting it in various different mutual funds and things that would mature as he dies so every little thing that he was doing so when he died at the age of 92 it all came back to him as a return as eight million dollars It's not about what you know about money. It's not about your education. It's not about how smart you are, how intelligent you are. It's how you behave with what you have. It's how you behave with what you have. Because behavior is very hard to teach even to intelligent people. You can be the smartest person in the world, but behavior is very hard to teach even to smartest people. Now, this morning I want to give you three important things. Three important psychology of money. Three important things that would really help us. If your money talked, you know, we always want to talk, right? But if your money talked to you, what would the money say to you? What would your money say to you? Most of the time it will say, Bye-bye, bye-bye. On the beginning of the month it says, Hi, I'm here. And on the fifth time it says, I'm sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> At the end of the month, I am not anywhere to be found. <laughs> if your money had to talk to you, what would it say to you? Would your money be happy and pleased with the way you handle your money? What would your money say to you? And this morning what I would also like to share is what is Jesus saying about money? And if your money actually talked, it would say the same thing to you of what Jesus spoke about money a long time back. Here's number one. The first psychology we need to understand about money is that if your money had to talk to you and if your money had to give you an advice, I think the first advice my money, your money would say to us is be patient. Be patient. Be patient to spend. A lot of us think we are not greedy, right? Whatever I have, it's actually, I, I, I like it, I deserve it, you know? And we think we are not greedy. And we have this definition about greediness because we think that if I'm after a more and more and more and more and more and more and more, then, then we say that's greediness. How many of you went and bought a mobile phone while you had a mobile phone that was perfectly working? Okay, I'll put my hand up. Your you had perfectly okay devices, but yet in the name of upgrade, yeah, you go and buy the next one. How many of you went and bought things when you know you have stuff, but you just wanted to go into the latest trend? So you upgrade. And... and and we kind of keep doing a lot of these upgrades, 
lot of these upgrades and upgrades and upgrades in various areas of our life. And we don't consider that to be greedy. We don't consider that to be possessions. We don't consider that to be a pattern that we are following because everybody is doing that. Actually, if you look at the, the, the meaning of to be greedy is that when you think that everything that comes my way is for my conception only, that's greediness. When you think everything that comes my way, everything that belongs to me, it's only for me and for my conception, then that is a destructive cycle. And this is what has put us in a pattern where we are constantly buying things. We are constantly in the pattern of like, why am I not buying anything new this month? And, and, and if we don't have money, it has put us in a place where we go on, you know, just scrolling on Amazon and putting things on wish list. That one day, most likely it will be next month, that you would buy it. And even when you don't have money, you go on window shopping. And, and you just stand there and staring at things that you can't afford, that you can't buy. But yet it gives you a sense of satisfaction. What you're doing is you are feeding your psychology of consumption by lusting over the things that you still can't buy, you can't afford to buy, but by just looking at it, by just giving yourself your sense of desire, you're fulfilling your psychology of consumption. Right. Whenever you look at something but you don't can't have it, you look at something and, and, and you desire over it, but you're not afford you're not allowed to have it, you can't afford to have it. But we keep on feeding into this desire, and that is a destructive cycle. So if our money had to give us an advice. And if God has to give us an advice, this is what he'll say. Be patient. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 11 it says, Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And we don't live in a society that teaches things to gather. We are always taught or in a society that is all about consumption, accumulating wealth and just taking everything all at once. It's now or never. There's a cost for everything. They say in the business world, there's no such thing as a free lunch. What they mean by that is somebody has paid a cost for it. Nothing is free. The grace of God that we enjoyed and enjoying is free for us because Jesus paid the price for it. The law of this earth is that everything costs something. In relationship, it costs something to be and to maintain a relationship. It costs something for us to give to God. It costs something for us 
to be part of God's community, it costs something for us to maintain financial discipline. And one of the things that it is going to really cost us if you want to discern and activate and navigate God's money according to His word, the cost is that you got to learn to say no whenever you have a desire or a feeling and you got to be patient. We got to learn to be patient. If we are not patient, then we are destructing our self. Money is just a, stool, just a tool and it is not the meaning of life. Jesus is the meaning of life. Our life has meaning because we have Jesus and He is the hope. He is everything and your identity is not on your bank balance. If our identity is on bank balance or the bank or in banking sector, then the RBI president is the greatest guy in the world. Jesus must be really pleased with the president of RBI, Reserve Bank of India, and any other country's you know uh, bank presidents. But our identity is not set in that. Money adds value, but it does not add meaning. And the value is where you place it. So it's just a tool. When you don't handle this well, when you don't understand this together as a couple, when you don't understand this together as a family, that's where issues start. Issue starts in marriage, issue starts in family. A lot of families have gone through crisis. They have no problem for 20 years and then they get married and then they talk about properties. The family that was together for 20 years is now divided in two months because they're talking about property. Is this happening or not? Is this happening in America? Is this happening in India? It's happening everywhere. And the problem is that people are not in a journey of stewarding their wealth possessions together as a family and as a couple. And you've got to be part of it together. And, and the Bible says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's what Ronald Reed did. Like he's a normal guy who had a normal job. Nobody knew he existed. Until he died. After he died, he's famous. He, 19, he's famous. And everybody's like, how did he get 8 million? And everything was up. They, they started raiding him, thinking that he robbed a bank or something. And every papers came across legal. And they were so surprised. And he is one of the biggest examples in the financial world of stewarding money little by little. The problem that many of us we face is that we are not patient with money. We are too quick to spend. And another problem now we have is that before spending was when you have to walk down the street to go to a shop and buy something there. And, and sometimes our laziness took the better of our finances. Like, oh, I can't be bothered to go all the way down to buy. But now... They're all there right here. They're like, and even if you don't spend, they tempt you. 40% off on Zomato today. Oh, I deserve 40%. 
Just because they give you a discount doesn't mean that you got to spend your remaining 60%. It's a deception. And we get into this cycle. You know, uh, a statistics say that both in India, in America and other parts of the world, many people try to match your spending according to your income. Most people do this. As your income increases, you're also increasing your expenditure. So from, the, from, your, from your early age of your job and with up to your retirement, if you do a graph, you'll see that your income is gradually raising and your expenditure is also gradually raising. The reason being we fall into this trap of demand. So if you're only spending when you need it, your income is increasing and if you flatline your expenditure, they draw another line called wealth in between your income and expenditure. Many of us, we don't have a wealth line in our graph because we don't think about wealth. We only read about wealth in the Bible and saying, Lord will bless me with this abundance. The promises of God says that, he, that, that anybody who is righteous in the sight of God shall be blessed and he shall be wealthy. Lord, I claim it in the name of Jesus. And then I spend all my wealth in Zomato. And I eat it and I burp it. And there goes everything. Be patient. With this psychology, you can't build wealth. Wealth is around you. God has blessed us with wealth around us. God has blessed us with resources around us. If we can steward it well, we can build it. But we don't think about wealth that way. We always think wealth is a generation. Oh, my grandfather didn't leave it for me. Oh, my great-grandfather, it's not my fault. Everybody who's got wealth, somebody left it for them. But somebody started somewhere. What about you? Will your children or your grandchildren say the same about you? Well, my, well, he didn't leave it for me. What are we doing? Now, the first statistic said that all of us spent based on our income and our expenditure. Now, here is the trap. For the past 20 years, people's expenditure is going way above their income level. You know why? Anybody online, do you know why? Thanks to credit cards, EMIs, loans, we spend money, it's, it's kind of, the first one was actually kind of okay because you're spending what you actually had. So if you took an expenditure, it's from what you had. But now they're coming to tell you like, even if you don't have it, we have it. It is your, I, I get really funny when I get phone calls from banks saying that, Sir, you have won a personal loan of one lakh and I so want to tell that person, the devil is a liar. No, I didn't win anything. I didn't make one lakh. Why are you giving me one lakh all of a sudden and asking me to spend it and now you got to pay back which wasn't your money in the first place. Now who are you paying with interest? That's not generosity by the way. 
That's called foolishness. Can we all say no to credit card? If any bankers here, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm not sorry. Because we are teaching biblical way of handling money. And it's really, really, really important. Recently, I saw a testimony on Facebook by our dear brother, Benny Prasad. I don't know how many of you saw it, that how they bought a second-hand car long time back and they, and they stuck to that car and they did not do an upgrade for about seven years to eight years. And, and they, they looked after the car they had, but they saved up for a new car. And now, in 2021, they bought a brand new car with cash with cash we are all set in this trap that we need to oh there's EMI oh you guys the first thing you do when you walk into anything you're like do you have a loan on this one do is there an EMI option on this one and they give so many options that we now spend more than what we have and you think you own the money but you don't you don't own it at all if you look at it and if you sit and do an analysis of everything in your life, what are you doing with your money? I am paying for my house. Okay. Who owns your house now? SBI. Right. I am paying for my car. Who owns your car now? HDFC. Okay. I am paying for my TV and my furnitures. Where did you buy it all from? Amazon. And it's all on EMI. Okay, who owns nothing? We own nothing at the end of the day. We are this generous people blessing all the companies who are building their wealth. And here we are thinking, la, 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 I have everything. It's a trap that is set as a demand. Don't be driven by greed, but be driven by financial independence and let me teach you what financial independence is financial independence is that you can stand up and say i am living with what i have i owe nobody nothing and only thing i owe is my life and everything to god alone can if you can stand up and say sincerely that you are the richest man in the world Don't always think that just because you have possessions, you're blessed. Financial independence is not owing to anyone or anything. Is that you build your finances based on what God has given for you. You spend it when you have and you don't spend it when you don't have and you have the confidence to say I don't need this right now because I don't have the money for it right now but if I need it I'm gonna build towards it and I'm gonna wait I'm gonna put a timeline on it many times my wife and I we talk about a lot of things when it comes to finances and she'll say like I think we need this for our home and and 
And the first thing when we do, when we say the word need is like, is that need or is it a want? There's two different things. And we did try to discern that. And then the second thing that she asked me is that she immediately asked me, okay, what's our timeline for this? So I was like, okay, let's sit and work it out. All right, in six months, I think we'll be able to get this. And we started doing this pattern for the past two years and we were able to look at things and say, okay, if we're going on holiday, if we're going to do this, we are able to do this in next 24 months. Let's put towards it. If you're going to buy this, we are able to do this in next six months. Let's put little by little towards it. And when we market, you know the best thing that is, is that when we have done that and when we are about to buy it, it's much cheaper than what it was before. And there's all of a sudden a deal and we got the money and there's a deal and we are spending much lesser than what we anticipated. Be patient in how you handle your finances. Financial freedom. If you want to walk in financial freedom, you got to be patient knowing that God is in control. Do things little by little. Here's number two. If you want to walk in financial freedom, don't be lazy. Being patient doesn't mean you become lazy with your money. What do I mean by that? Be active in investing. Many people want don't even think about investing and they're not active in investing with their money. And again, this is a biblical principle because we are called to manage your money well because that money that we have is God's money. Imagine I walk into your house, Kenneth, and I give you a big leather black bag that is full of cash. It's got one million rupees. And I give to you and I say, hey, Kenneth, in two days I'll be back. It's not your money, it's mine, but I want it just the way it is. What would you do? If I were you, I would not sleep. Like, I won't, I won't sleep. I would be with the bag. Nobody touching this. There's one million rupees in this. We will be so conscious about it. We will look after it. We will make sure it's protected. We make sure it's taken care of. Reason being, you know what? I just want to get rid of this quickly. Back to Pastor Sam. I really don't want to take care of this, but he's asked me to take care of this. I want to give it back when he comes back. So I, ju I just I, I, I can't wait for him to be back now. Jesus is coming back and he has left us all the resources in this earth, in this world, for us to manage it and look after it. So we need to be vigilant, conscious in how we handle and spend. Matthew 25, 14 to 29. If you have your Bibles with you, go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 29. It's the parable of the talents and many of us have heard this parable. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. Now many times when you read a parable, you've got to always understand that God tries to explain things. Jesus tries to explain things through a parable when there's always 
a God character in it and people, we, a receiving character in it. So as you see here in verse 14, it says, A man traveling to a far country, which is God, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them, which is us. And to the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to each, to another he gave one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents he got active right he was not he was not you know uh, active in spending it for him he was not lazy in put keeping it around he got active he said he went and traded with them and made another five talents God is a God of multiplication he loves multiplication then he who had received the five talents Sorry, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Now, if you look at the first verse, it says that the master gave five, two, and one to each one of them according to his own ability, which means that the ability is the same even though the value was different. Watch this. Your, your ability to handle money is according to God's word. If you follow the principle of handling money, we all have the same ability because many of us, we complain saying, oh, it's easy for them to save. It's easy for them to invest because they have a lot of income coming in. No, it doesn't matter. If you are starting with five, if you're starting with two figures, if you're starting with one figure, it does not matter because your ability is the same. Your ability comes from God's word and God's principles, believing that whatever we have, belongs to God so we stewarded well so the guy with the five the guy with the two got active and invested and got a return and multiplied and if you see in verse 9 uh, 18 but he who had received one everybody say uh-oh everybody say uh-oh he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money now this is being financially lazy. A lot of us, we hide our money under the things that we don't actually need. Let me say that again. We have buried God's money under the things that you and I, we don't actually need. When you are active in your spending and not in your investing. Now let me say one more thing. Giving to God is not an expenditure. Hello? When you write your income and your expenses, and I've seen many Christians do this, the first thing they put under expense is tithe and offering. That's not an expenditure. That's an investment into the kingdom of God. Because what God has promised is a return. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Give. It will come back to you. So that's not an expenditure. Would you pay for Amazon and you buy something and they give you money back? No, they don't. But God says, test me and see when you give to me. 
That's the only area that God has said, test me. So giving to God, don't put it under expenses. It's an investment into the kingdom of God. Apart from that investment, what other investments are you doing? You see in verse 19 it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now this is very, very, very important for all of us to steward God's money. Because you say, oh, accounting, that's just for the bank. Accounting, it's for the workplace. I don't need to do accounts. I don't need to do budgeting. I don't... Every single money you have, it's accounted for. They say in the accounting field, numbers don't lie. Of course they don't lie. It's accounted for. So verse 19, he says that he came and he settled accounts with them. And verse 20, it says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. You released your resource. You released. So every salary that you get, every money that you get, you did not earn it. The Lord delivered it to you. Don't you ever, ever think that that whatever blessing that you're receiving, whatever salary that you're receiving, that you earned it because of your hard work. No, God delivered it to you as a blessing because you had good health and that's why you went to work. God took care of you. Even when you have a physical crisis, God can still take care of you when you put your trust in Him. So if you see that that money was delivered to Him and He says, I have gained five more talents beside them. So the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22 says, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. Then Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have, done faith, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, it says, Then he, uh-oh, everybody say, uh-oh again. Uh-oh, trouble. Then the one who had received the one talent came to Lord and said, Lord, now this is, this, is, this is what many of us we do, that we think that we are being so wise in protecting, you know? And, and, and like we, we, we're so wise in, in, in doing this. And, and this is what, Lord, I know you would be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So basically, he's giving a lecture, you know, doing all this lot of majaf talking. And 25 it says, And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. But the Lord answered to him and said, You wicked, you wicked and lazy servant. If you think that I am telling you off, it's not me. It's the Lord. If you want to write a complaint, write to my boss. It's not me calling you wicked and lazy. It's Matthew chapter 25 verse 26. 
that says, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. See, you basically know who I am. You basically know what my expectations are. And yet, you were lazy and wicked with your money. This really caught my attention because I had to question myself, am I being wicked and lazy with my money? When we are not investing, when we are not saving, when we are not being generous, when God is asking us to be generous, when we are robbing from God by not giving offering and tithe, and when we are not stewarding God's finances, but we come here to worship Him, and we sing, you give and take away. God is like, no, I don't take away. You take away by ordering takeaways all week. See what I did there? I, oh, it's like, my life is like Job. No, it's not. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. No, Zomato is taking it. Amazon is taking it. Your spendings, it's taking it. So when you come here and worship, you give and you take away, but my heart will choose to say. And the Lord sings by you, wicked and lazy person. That's what God is seeing. Wicked and lazy in the eyes of God. Do you want to be called that? Do you want to be known as the wicked and lazy person in the eyes of God? Whenever you give into your desires and you can't stop your desires and you put value on it and you spend on it, that's also a form of lust. And lust is a sin. Come on somebody. And lust is a sin. Can I sin with money? Yes, you can. Can I sin by overspending? Yes, you can. Is that considered a sin? Absolutely. And God has a name for it. You're wicked and you're lazy. What is it that God wants us to do? Is to be like those two servants. If you want to steward God's money wisely, can you be active in investing and patient in your spending? Number three, and I want to close the, close the sermon with this last point. Number three is, write this down, plan it. Plan it so that you won't be fooled. Plan your money wisely so that you will not be fooled. Luke chapter 14 verse 28 to 30 it says, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might co complete only the foundation before you run out of your money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Then they would say, there is a person who started this building and could not afford to finish it. There's a lot of people who has a lot of wealth in this world. And we are not laughing at them, we are looking at them going, how did they have so much money? 
It's not because they are making a lot, they knew how to handle with the little. And I want, I, I, this is true. How you handle it with your little and how you steward that money with your little is what is going to determine when you have more or if you're going to have more. Many of us, we pray, God bless me, God bless me. And God is looking at your little going. You're still wicked with the little money you have. You're still lazy with the little money you have. How can I entrust you with blessings? So God is patient. If you can be patient with your money, then God will be active in his blessings towards you. But we are too active in spending and giving it all out. Having an effective financial plan is very important. Write it down. Measure it. Count it. Count your blessings that God has given for you. And this is not, you're not counting to boast and to take pride in it. You're counting to measure it so that you know what you have and you also know what you don't have. And when you, don't, when you know that you don't have, there's another column that you can put down called the faith miracle column. Where you will see the move of God in that place. You have an income, you have an expenditure, you have investment and then out of that you also have another place saying that God there is something that is coming up. I have done my giving, I've done my uh, sowing into God's work, I've given my investment and my savings, I've, I've left with this but there is something coming up this month God and I have made some financial mistakes in the past but I don't know how I'm going to recover but I trust in you. So you put a new column called the faith column. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? You need some faith money in your financial. Make some room for miracle. And if you can make that, and at the end of the month, you will see that you have not run out. You have no clue how it happened, but you have not run out. And you write it down in the faith column of that month saying that this is what I had and this is what I needed. And that value is actually being provided by God. So you write that value and then you go to next month and you look back in the previous month. You're seeing that every month your faith column is being filled by the Lord. You think I'm joking? It's happening in my life. It's happening in many people's life. This is how we budget. Wall Street might not understand faith column. Wall Street might not understand miracle money. Now when I say miracle money, I'm not, I, I need to be careful because there's a lot of miracle money going out there. I'm not talking about sudden appearance of account, money into your account. If we did, that's called black money. <laughs> Anything that is unaccounted, it's not right money. I'm talking about the provision of the Lord. On your ledger, on your accounts, on your planning, is there a room where you are consciously expecting God? Lord, for this part, I need faith. And I'm going to leave it with faith. I'm not going to borrow. I'm not going to ask for loan. I'm not going to call any person and say, can I give and give it back? No, I'm not going to do that. 
I am going to trust in the Lord and I'm going to be in faith and, I'm no, and I know when I can be sincere with what God has given to me, I will be faithful and I will receive what I'm supposed to receive. Trust me. There are some times, especially when I was a student, and I thank God for my mentors who taught me this from a very early stage. From my age of 26, 28, I started doing this and, and I would run out of money in 15 days. Not because I spent a lot, but because I would give it to God, I would give it to the people that I was supporting, I would give it to you know, uh, investment and saving and I decide to live with what is left over. You don't save after what that's left over. You will never save. Hello? Don't say, oh, at the end of the month, if there is any extra money that is there, then I will put it in savings. When you know it's extra money, you want an extra shirt, an extra, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into that. Everything you want extra. You spend after you've done the part that you need to buy. And 15 days I know, that's it, it's gone. I won't have money to pay for my heating. And I run out of heat. And I would sleep for 10 days in dark room. With no heating, absolute cold. This was when I was living in abroad. And I would question God saying, God, you said there will be a faith column and that you will fill the faith column and that I will and I thought that my electricity coming back and this coming back and that coming back my everything coming back was my faith life and it did come back after some time because I was being good steward and the return came back it took a few months but in that months God built my faith and he was not building faith through those little things for my electricity. He was building my faith so that I will build his church one day and I'll be faithful in it. So he said, it's okay baby boy to sleep in dark for 10 days and in cold. It's okay to wake up and you can see your own hot air breathing out of you and you see the smoke. It's okay for you to freeze a little bit. Because what I am teaching you is that you be frozen and you be frozen in faith. So I had some faith freeze moment in my life. Because what it taught me is that even if I had that moment of where, you know, I could have took money out of my savings to pay. But God was looking and watching to see if I would still be sincere and not touch that. And if I did not touch that, if I can be sincere in that, if I can have that faith-freeze moments in my life, even when there is no account in the church, I know that my God shall provide Many times in our early stages, we have, and my wife is the witness, and, and the lead team, Ajay and Susan, they are witnesses, that many times we have gone to zero towards the end of the month. I'm talking about our church. Our giving was so less, we would go to zero, but we've got bills to pay. And from zero, the next month, we have seen God refill it, just what we need.
If I did not have my faith freeze lesson, I would, would have started borrowing money for God. You see the danger? I would have started going after loans for church. And I'm telling you, many people are doing this. They are borrowing money for God. When God says, I am your abundance. You have everything in me. God will allow certain situations. God will allow some dark moments in your financial, through your financial crisis. But he is building your life for something greater. If you don't learn that lesson now, you will not learn it later. Shall we pray? Psychology of money. Three things God spoke to us today. Be patient. Number two, don't be lazy with your investment. And number three, plan it so that you will not be fooled and plan in such a way that you are making room for a faith move for God to move in your life for God to step in and provide and when you see those miracles it is so exciting it is so exciting when you taste and see those miracles it is so exciting Lord, we thank you. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray that each and every single person who has been listening to your voice this morning, God, that we will take a commitment in our lives that we will be patient with our spending, that we will not go after, spend after our lust and desires and fulfill the immediate needs or gratifications that we have but rather we set it aside help us Holy Spirit help us Holy Spirit church it's a very important decision you make to be patient with your money it's a very important decision you make honestly it makes a big difference it makes a big difference you know they say people spend at least 1,000 to 1,500 rupees a month on eating outside, buying foods from outside. In America, they say that people spend at least 50 to 60 dollars minimum or more. In UK, they say people spend up to 60 pounds a month or more. And one charity did this, that if you say, I want to sacrifice my takeaways, I want to sacrifice that food that I'm ordering from, des from different restaurants and I'm spending that money, 1,500, it takes only 30 to 35 rupees to feed a homeless man per day. And when you set aside that money and be generous and say, whenever I want to spend and feel like fulfilling that desire to just order something extravagant and you put that money aside they say that you can feed you can feed at least 15 homeless people 15 homeless people a month and this is including students this is including students while you are a student you can feed 15 
homeless people if you make the decision to be patient with your money today. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to make that commitment and to be good stewards. Help us to not be lazy with our money, but help us to invest into your kingdom and invest our money into the right things which will bring us a return so that we will also be known as good, well done, faithful servant, that you can be pleased with us in how we handled your resources. And Lord, help us to plan our finances, measure our blessings and measure what we don't have so that we will apply faith and make room for a miracle. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. I also feel that the Holy Spirit is leading me to, to um, affirm some people here this morning to say that it's not just the financial crisis, it's also the emotional crisis that you're going through. God knows it. God knows your anxiety because because of finances you are going through a lot of emotional crisis you're anxious about tomorrow you're feeling guilty about your past you're being very sad about what would happen today and tomorrow you're facing a lot of lot of questions in your family because of this and like we heard our God is more than able to bring you out of the crisis. And I pray that you will walk in faith and receive your miracle. Walk in faith. Don't give up. Don't give in. Even if God lets you sleep in dark rooms and, and, and lets you go through dark moments and lets you go through brokenness and lets you not have uh, something right now that you really actually need, but you are waiting patiently because you can't afford it. You're waiting patiently for a house to be built. You're waiting patiently for a car to be bought. You're waiting patiently on some things because you know you need to be patient this season. And a lot of people are saying a lot of things to you and you're going through a lot of crisis because of this. And you're tempted to give in and to borrow and to do something. No, don't give in to those things. Be patient. The Lord will do a miracle. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. We hope that you are blessed by God's word today. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can do so at kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And we will see you next week with another inspiring sermon.